Trying to find my way back home I've been riding down this road too long Yeah, mama, I'm coming I'ma keep running and running I'm a champion Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, the Ski Trivia Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. You can follow me on Twitter at PowderhoundSkis. You can also email me at PowderhoundSkiTrivia at gmail.com for comments, questions, or corrections. The collective frame of mind in ski world has recently all been about setting the stoke, but Hold on to your hats, folks. The POW is now. As of this recording, a handful of ski areas have opened, kicking off the 2022-2023 winter season. Hell yeah! Interestingly, the winner of the 2022 opening day race is not among the cast of usual ski area suspects. Catch that movie pun intended? Was the winner a high country Colorado ski area? No. How about a California resort? Nope. Maybe a canyon in Utah? Nada. The wearer of the first to open crown is a ski area in the great ski state that is Minnesota. The music inspiration is Mosh and Twist champion, a nod to the champs of the race to open and the running and running of their lifts. We'll dig into that story in a bit, but suffice to say, some healthy competition, more like stealthy competition, is alive and well in the land of 10,000 plus lakes. With opening dates past, present, and future upon us, I invite you to sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding powder hounds i've been riding down this road too long sources for today's episode skicentral.com snowpack.com killington.com midwestskiers.com local freshies the storm snow country ski mag and various ski area websites we begin with a familiar segment tips up your read watch and listen recommendations first a read recommendation ski magazine annual reader survey top 20 ski resorts in the east for 2023 the article dropped october 13th 2022 along with the top 30 ski resorts in the west again for 2023 now from a northeast perspective most noteworthy ranking is the rise of previously unranked Magic Mountain in Londonderry, vaulting to number nine out of 20 in the rankings. Bottom line description, home to some of the best tree skiing in the East, Magic Mountain is also an independently owned gem that's a great bang for your buck. Magic's reaction? <laughs> Quote, we're surprised at the national recognition from skiers and riders for a smaller, purposefully less crowded indie ski area, not even a quote-unquote resort, end quote. Now, a hot take is, quote, laid back, only one base area, which allows parents to easily keep tabs on their kids, varied terrain, moguls can even be found on green circles, end quote. 
Indeed, Magic is back. Wondering who was voted number one? That would be Smuggler's Notch in Vermont, a repeat champion. Now the bottom line, this repeat champion serves up the unique mix of family amenities and legit expert terrain with a friendly, welcoming vibe where the visitor experience is the priority. Now the longer version, Smugs nabs the number one in the East title yet again, which comes as a surprise to no one. <laughs> the resort is more of a community than a ski area filled with people who've been skiing in the Northern Vermont Hill since they were children, who are now teaching their grandkids to ski on the same slopes and the same lifts as readers are quick to point out. <laughs> Smugs is somewhat of an anomaly among East Coast ski areas, a place where there's both mellow terrain and serious steeps where the family programming and amenities are top-notch, but where you can also sample the type of summit-to-base, highly-pitched, classic eastern runs that put Vermont skiing on the map. Read the full list for east and west on skimag.com, and if I had to venture a guess, you'll be seeing a Midwest top 10, 20, or 30 ski area list next winter season, because... Our watch recommendation is TGR, Teton Gravity Research, and IndyPass partnering up yet again to present the short film The Pursuit of Soul 2, Midwest Independence. Yes, the 31-minute film tells the story of skiers and snowboarders who measure their love for winter not by storm cycles, snow depths, or vertical drop. Indeed, this is a community whose connections to their home hills run deep and are steeped in family and friends. Directed by lifelong adventure skier and filmmaker Chris Kitchen and Minnesota-based filmer and founder of MidwestSkier.com, Matthew Zabransky, the film shows a crew of ragtag athletes who explore some of the most under-discussed ski resorts in the Midwest while also trying to find the unofficial mayor of each town visited. In Pursuit of Soul 2 takes place at some of the most unique ski hills in the Midwest, including Granite Peak, Lutzen, Caberfay, Buck Hill, Nordic Mountain, Little Switzerland, and more. Each visit will offer an exploration into the intricacies that veer from the mainstream attractions, which many ski hills present to the public, such as steep terrain, epic powder days, and thousands of feet of vertical drop. Of course, the film reinforces the importance of local hills as a point of entry to the sport, not discouraging people and being a welcome place. The role of small ski areas is to foster the sport and eventually feeding those larger areas. I particularly got a kick out of Cabrafe's lift tickets. They have a different color or design lift ticket every day. In a popular December photo on their social channels, no surprise here, Christmas trees decorated in past lift tickets. And Tyrol Basin, Tyrol Tuesdays, 20 bucks, ski all day. Little Switzerland, a rope toe named Big Deal, and that it was a big deal if you successfully rode it up the hill. It reminded me a bit of the Big Toe at Cochran's in Vermont, which I never fell off of technically, but man, I had a couple close calls and my arms hurt. A rope toe is not easy street if you haven't done it in a while. And Granite Peaks, adult race league, on a midweek night, a self-described beer league with some people wearing speed suits who probably shouldn't. <laughs> Bottom line, independent small ski areas are thriving because they are unique, close to metropolitan centers, and cheap. Carry on.
And third, the listen recommendation. This is from the Storm Ski Journal interview with Jason Blevins of the Colorado Sun. You probably recognize the name Jason Blevins. Jason Blevins built arguably the best local ski beat in America at the Denver Post. He's now at the thriving Colorado Sun. Topics discussed range from Vail locals as the great lift line generators. That's right, don't blame the tourists. The midweek business resort communities always wanted has arrived, yet no one was ready. Colorado as the short-term rental laboratory. How ski towns created their own housing crisis. The new Mountain West, where locals live in hotels and visitors stay in houses. Why developers give up and would rather build mansions than affordable housing. Whether Vail's employee pay bump and lift ticket limits will be enough to prevent a repeat of the complaint late in 2021-2022 ski season. Why the Epic Pass keeps losing independent partners. And the most well-kept secret in skiing. Check out the full interview on stormskiing.com or find it where you get this podcast. Moving on to the main segment, the race to open. As a recap, the Midwest region wins. West region finishes second. And the East region, a DNF, as in did not function yet. (laughs) This episode is all about the races to open, with my usual focus on the Northeast. I happen to enjoy these races to open early. It generates excitement, builds anticipation for the upcoming season, and creates fun competition between ski areas. That's all good. Now, most ski area operators probably could care less about opening first. They care about the long season, getting hiring right, selling passes, and making sure their equipment works. But hey, for a ski area to make national headlines by opening first or early? boy. As noted in the intro, the Midwest region not only wears the first to open crown, but if the first to open race was an Olympic game, the Midwest would have captured gold, silver, and bronze medals with three Midwest ski areas opening within 24 hours of one another. Sure, there is an element of publicity stunt to this, as the ski areas that opened had super limited terrain served by mostly surface lifts. Plus, all three ski areas have since closed due to higher temperatures eating away at whatever base they had. Not to mention, their smaller size makes covering a single trail easier. Nevertheless, the definition of lift serve skiing includes rope toes, magic carpets, and artificial snow, meaning the Midwest wind counts, and more importantly, represents enthusiasm for skiing at its finest. Speaking of enthusiasm, I too have been regularly clicking refresh on two opening date tracking websites, so my interest in this topic has peaked. The race to open has also got me thinking about a question I never really thought to consider, let alone ask. Can another Northeast ski area open before Killington? This year? Next year? Ever again? Buckle up for the ride, folks. We may just find out. But first, about that Midwest win. As hinted in the intro, a surprising cold front hung around the Midwest for a few days in mid-October. In turn, a few eager Midwest ski areas fired up their snow guns. October 17th, allegedly Andes Tower Hills, a ski area in Minnesota, posted on social channels it was opening on October 18th 
at 1 p.m. Central Time. Not to be outdone, Wild Mountain, also in Minnesota, pulled a fast one, literally, by opening one hour earlier on the same day to steal the crown as number one. Now famously, back east in 2020, Killington publicized their opening date. I believe it was November 3rd for a 9 a.m. open, but that morning, Wachusett in Massachusetts swooped in and opened at 8.30 a.m., stealing the first to open in the East prize. Lots of stealthy moves across ski country. Now about Wild Mountain, it's in Taylor Falls, Minnesota, quick ski area stats, vertical drop, 300 feet, average annual snowfall, not available. Skiable acres, also not available, though they have 26 trails on their trail map. Wild Mountain overlooks the St. Croix River about one hour northeast of the Twin Cities. On October 18th, it opened its front stage rope toe, serving one trail. Now, Wild Mountain has since closed. A recent snow report said, quote, We had five great days of early, early season skiing and riding, but my nature burned us up, and we have closed until cold weather returns, end quote. About that silver medalist, Andes Tower Hills in Kensington, Minnesota, about 2.5 hours west of Minneapolis. Quick ski area stats, vertical drop 290 feet, average annual snowfall, not available. Skiable acres, not available, though 15 trails are on their trail map. Their website reads, quote, we don't wait for snow, we make our own, end quote. Heck yeah, you do. Then on October 19th, the third ski area to open, the bronze medalist, Trollhagen, Dresser, Wisconsin, just over the Minnesota border, about one hour east of St. Paul, Minnesota. Their quick ski area stats, vertical drop, 260 feet, average annual snowfall, 51 inches, skiable acres, 90. Trollhagen's opening was noteworthy as it was the first ski area to offer chairlift serve skiing. Their chair two, plus a rope toe, spun on October 19th. Again, the chairlift spinning was a noteworthy distinction. Now, the picture of Trollhagen included in the news coverage was quite stunning. The contrast of colors of, let's call it, temporary winter, a blanket of artificial white on two short and wide ski slopes, surrounded by a sea of green and brown forest with a touch of orange and yellow fall foliage. Stunning indeed. So Wild Mountain wins the overall first ski area to open prize, as well as the first in the Midwest region, taking the title away from Spirit Mountain, also in Minnesota, who I believe won in 2021. Now, a few days prior to all the Minnesota ski area opening mayhem, Matthew Zabransky of MidwestSkiers.com live streamed a super fun game, The Race to Open, a Powderhounds podcast March Mogul Madness style bracket competition. As you might assume from someone of MidwestSkiers.com, Matt's game featured Midwest ski areas. <laughs> and like most bracket games, the goal is to determine through head-to-head -head matchups which ski areas are more likely to advance and ultimately win the race to opening day. So I'll attempt to do the same for the East and maybe our friends at Colorado Ski Country can do so for the West. I'm also sure Matthew was quite pleased to see the Midwest beat the West on the national stage for the first to open honors. Though, as you may have caught in the tips up segment, 
He is part of the production team behind the film In Pursuit of Soul 2, so I'm pretty sure some first-to-open coordination was happening behind the scenes. Whatever, three Midwest ski areas opened in October? That's pretty cool. And give credit where credit is due. Check out MidwestGears.com, catch the short film In Pursuit of Soul 2, Midwest Independence, watch Race to Open live stream via YouTube, and be sure to visit a Midwest ski area during your winter travels this winter season. Back to the race to open nationally. Four days later, October 23rd, the fourth ski area to open was one of those usual ski area suspects, Arapahoe Basin in Colorado. Yes, the West region wins second place nationally. A Basin takes the West title back from Wolf Creek, which opened on October 16th last year on natural snow. It's worth noting, unlike our friends in the Midwest, a Basin is open daily, granted with super limited terrain, like one lift servicing one groomed trail. But again, that's probably all you need this early in the season. Staying in Colorado, Keystone opened on Friday, October 28th. From Keystone Twitter, this is not a drill. We open for the season tomorrow, Friday, October 28th. Be prepared. Yes, the first chair is 8.30 a.m. at River Run Gondola with last chair at 4 p.m. at Montezuma. Also, Winter Park announced, well, the Icon app sent an alert. It will open on Monday, October 31st, Halloween. It will be Winter Park's earliest opening ever. Three lifts are expected to run, serving 22 acres, and of course, costumes are encouraged. So we turn back east, i.e. to the beast, i.e. Killington, almost certain to open first in the east region and try to figure out what northeast ski area has the best chance to pull a wild mountain and beat Killington to opening first. I call our game the race to place to face Killington. <laughs> the word place, of course, referring to second place, like in horse racing, first, second, and third place are often referred to as win, place, show. I'll use mostly objective stats, just like the last two March Mogul Madness bracket games to advance the ski areas. I also encourage you to play along. As Matt said during his live stream, it's all good fun. Have fun with it. Who cares? Just some good, wholesome fun. <laughs> all right, the game. 2022, race to place to face Killington. The timely rhyme was impossible to ignore, so forgive me. According to snowpack.com and reconfirmed via skicentral.com, 19 Northeast ski areas opened in November, the earliest month for openings last winter season. Again, Killington is all but certain to win the race to open having opened in October 22 of the last 34 years. Though in 2006, Killington did not open until November 23rd. So you're saying there's a chance, Jeff. No, not really, but we, <laughs> but we like to have fun at the Powderhounds here with our ski trivia focus. So for funsies, let's see who is the next likeliest Northeast ski area to make a run at the race to open East region. For some context, 
last year's earliest opening dates by Northeast State. So that, again, this is 2021 in order of opening date. In Vermont, Killington opened November 5th. In Maine, Sunday River opened November 19th. Next, there's actually a tie between Massachusetts and New York. Jiminy Peak in Massachusetts and Gore Mountain in New York both opened on November 25th last year. Then New Hampshire, Loon Mountain opened November 26th. In Connecticut, Mohawk opened on December 2nd. And in Rhode Island, our last Northeast state, Yagu Valley opened December 27th, though its earliest open that I could find was November 30th in 2013. A few game notes. There are 16 Northeast ski areas in the bracket. Ski areas are seeded by earliest opening date last season. Two tiebreakers. The first tiebreaker, days open last season. Tiebreaker two, opening date two seasons ago. I'll share the matchup data and you can use that to make your picks or ignore it and go through gut, flip a coin, or roll your eyes. But for those willing to have a little fun for a few minutes, just Google 16 team bracket, grab a piece of paper and pen and draw the bracket. Grabbing a companion beverage isn't a bad idea either. When you finish that beverage, consider taking a picture of your completed bracket and email me. Better yet, share it on Twitter and tag Powderhound Skis. Let's review the rankings with their projected opening date this November if one has been published. Number one seed, Sunday River, Maine, opening date, TBD. Second seed, number two, Sugarloaf, also in Maine, opening date, TBD. The number three seed, Sugarbush in Vermont, opening date, TBD. The number four seed, Jimney Peak in Massachusetts, opening date, TBD. The number five seed, Gore in New York, opening date, projected, November 18th. Number six seed, Jay Peak in Vermont, opening date, TBD. Number seven seed, Whiteface in New York, opening date, TBD. The number eight seed, Mount Snow in Vermont, opening date, November 11th. Number nine seed, Bel Air in New York, opening date, TBD. The 10 seed, Stowe, opening date, November 18th. Number 11 seed, Okemo, also in Vermont, opening date, November 19th. Number 12 seed, Loon in New Hampshire, opening date, TBD. Number 13th seed, Stratton in Vermont, opening date, November 19th. Number 14th seed, Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, opening date, TBD. Number 15th seed, Hunter Mountain in New York, Opening date, November 18th. And the number 16th seed, Wildcard Ski Area. Ever hear of Wildcard Ski Area? Well, one does not exist, but we are putting in a wildcard option for the game, which I will explain in a minute, in a second. So just like the NCAA tournament, March Madness, there is a bubble, and there's some teams that are on the outside looking in to the bracket. So that's who I'm going to list right now. So continuing down the rankings, number 17 would be Wyndham Mountain in New York. They opened on November 26th last season. Number 18, Wachusett, Massachusetts. They opened November 27th last season. 
and then ranked 19th through 21st, because it's actually a three-way tie, uh, these three skiers opened on December 2nd. That would be Holiday Valley, New York, Mohawk Mountain in Connecticut, Ragged Mountain in New Hampshire. And then finally, four other Northeast ski areas, not yet mentioned and unranked, have projected opening dates this November. Those would be Wildcat, New Hampshire, projected date November 18th. Mount Sunapee, New Hampshire, projected opening date November 23rd. And finally, Labrador in New York, and Smuggler's Notch in Vermont, projected opening date, November 25th. So, those half a dozen ski areas are your wildcard options should you choose to advance the number 16 seed. On to the bracket matchups. Now, I'll just include a quick ski area stats in the event you're not familiar with that ski area. All right, on the top of the bracket, the number one seed Sunday River, vertical drop 2,340 feet, average annual snowfall 167 inches, skiable acres 870. They are playing the number 16th seed, the Wild Card Mountain, which I just went through. It is beyond unlikely a ski area not in the bracket will open first, but I suppose it's possible. So for those who remember the Always Sunny in Philadelphia's A-Team episode, this is just like Charlie cutting the brakes to the van. Wild card, bitches. The number eight seed, <laughs> Mount Snow. Vertical drop, 1,700 feet. Average annual snowfall, 156 inches. Skeeble acres, 588. Takes on the number nine seed, Bel Air in New York. Vertical drop, 1,404 feet. Average annual snowfall, 141 inches. Skeeble acres, 171. And then the four versus 13 matchup, number four, the four seed Jimney Peak, vertical drop 1,150 feet, average annual snowfall 100 inches, skiable acres 170, taking on Stratton, again that number 13 seed, vertical drop of Stratton 2,003 feet, average snowfall 180 inches, skiable acres 670. And then the 5-12 matchup, upset city maybe, Number five seed Gore, vertical drop. Gore is in New York, vertical drop 2,537 feet. Average annual snowfall 150 inches. Skiable acres 439. Number 12 seed Loon in New Hampshire, vertical drop 2,100 feet. Average snowfall 163 inches. Skiable acres 370. On the other side of the bracket, the number two seed, Sugarloaf in Maine, vertical drop, 2,820 feet, average annual snowfall, 200 inches, skiable acres, 1,230 acres. Taking on the 15th seed, Hunter Mountain in New York, vertical drop, 1,600 feet, average annual snowfall, 125 inches, skiable acres, 240. Then the 7-10 matchup would be Whiteface in New York, vertical drop, 3,430 feet, Average snowfall, 190 inches. Skiable acres, 288. Taking on the 10 seed, Stowe. Vertical drop, 2,360 feet. Average annual snowfall, 314 inches. Skiable acres, 485. And then the three versus 14 seed matchup. That would be Sugarbush, the three seed. Vertical drop, 2,600 feet. Average annual snowfall, 269 inches. Skiable acres, 578. Number 14 seed, Bretton Woods. Vertical drop, 1,500 feet. 
average annual snowfall, 200 inches, skiable acres, 464. And then finally, the six verse 11 matchup, Jay Peak, your six seed, vertical drop, 2,153 feet, average annual snowfall, 251 inches, skiable acres, 385 acres. The 11 seed, Okimo in Vermont, vertical drop, 2,200 feet, average annual snowfall, 200 inches, skiable acres, 655. Now, why did I throw all those numbers at you? Because we're going to be comparing ski area stats, and hopefully that will get you thinking about who should advance to the next round. Round number one, the Sweet 16. Quick final note, I swear this is it. <laughs> I'll be comparing four years of opening dates. Keep in mind, last year, 2021, was Omicron, i.e. staff shortages. 2020 was Ski Well, Be Well, COVID protocol season. 2019 ended abruptly due to COVID-19. 2018 was the last traditional full winter season. With all that in mind, let's do it. Number one seed, Sunday River in Maine, taking on number 16, Wildcard Mountain. How do their opening dates compare? Let's check it out. Oh, wait, there isn't a Wildcard Mountain. So there's really no reason to do an actual comparison. Further, Sunday River's website reads, our snowmakers are chomping at the bit to cover all eight peaks in the magical white goodness. Once the temps drop, we're ready. Are you? Yeah, my pick, number one seed, Sunday River. What's your pick? The number eight seed, Mount Snow in Vermont, taking on the number nine seed, Bel Air in New York. How do their opening dates compare? Mount Snow leads the series Three wins to no losses to one tie versus Bel Air over the last four years. Plus, Vail Resorts may double down on saving face in early season offerings. My pick, number eight seed, Mount Snow advances. What's your pick? Moving on, number four seed, Jiminy Peak in Massachusetts, taking on number 13 seed, Stratton in Vermont. How do their opening dates compare? Jiminy Peak leads the series four wins, no losses versus Stratton over the last four years. Now, I realize some say past performance is no indication of future results, but those people would be wrong. Jiminy Peak is as good a guarantee pick as you will find. They are my pick, number four seed, Jiminy Peak, Massachusetts. Moving on. What's your pick? On to the number five seed, Gore in New York, taking on the number 12 seed, Loon in New Hampshire, the so-called upset matchup. How do their opening dates compare? The series is tied, one win apiece, one loss apiece, with two ties. Now a deeper dive would show only five date difference over four years. Yes, Gore edged Loon last year by one day, and then the previous year, Loon edged Gore by four days. This matchup is a true coin flip. I'll break the tie with the unfounded thought that Boyne will be focused on opening their northern properties first. Those would be Sunday River and Sugarloaf in Maine. So my pick, number five, Gore Mountain in New York. What's your pick? On to the other side of the bracket, 
Number two, Sugarloaf taking on number 15, Hunter Mountain in New York. How do their open dates compare? No surprise here. Sugarloaf leads the series four wins to no losses versus Hunter over the last four seasons. Another guarantee to advance. Plus, Sugarloaf is farther north, meaning colder temperatures. So that expert and intricate analysis <laughs> gives the nod to advance. My pick, number two seed, Sugarloaf in Maine, advances. What's your pick? On to the next matchup, number seven seed, Whiteface, New York, taking on number 10 seed, Stowe, Vermont. How do their opening dates compare? It's actually a tie over the last four years, two wins apiece. Now, unlike Whiteface, Stowe is projected to open one week earlier, November 18th. So I'm taking Vail Resorts at its word, my pick, number 10 seed, Stowe, upsetting Whiteface. What's your pick? On to the number three seed Sugarbush in Vermont, taking on the number 14 seed Bretton Woods in New Hampshire. How do their opening dates compare? Also a tie over the last four years, two wins apiece. Yes, it's a surprise considering the gap between seeds. To break the tie, I'm taking elevation. Nearby Mount Washington's intense storm cycles, thanks to its 6,288 foot summit elevation, dwarfing Mount Ellen, at 4,083 feet of elevation, my pick, number 14 seed, Brenton Woods, big upset. What's your pick? And finally, the last matchup of the round, number six seed, Jay Peak, Vermont, taking on number 11 seed, Okimo, also in Vermont. How do their opening dates compare? Okimo leads the series with two wins, no losses, and two ties. Plus, Okimo near 100% snowmaking. Plus, Okimo posted opening projected date this season, November 19th, one week earlier than last year. I'm sticking with Vail Resorts yet again, and my epic day passes. I'm picking number 11 seed, Okimo, with the upset pick. What's your pick? Round two, the Elite Eight. We start at the top of the bracket. Number one seed Sunday River taking on number eight seed Mount Snow. How do their open dates compare? Yeah, you guessed it. Sunday River leads four wins to zero losses in the series versus Mount Snow over the last four years. While Mount Snow isn't afraid to fire up their snow guns during operating hours, I gotta stay safe out there. My pick, number one seed Sunday River advances. What's your pick? On to the number four seed, Jiminy Peak, Massachusetts, taking on number five, Gore in New York. How do their opening dates compare? Gore leads the series two wins, one loss, and one tie versus Jiminy Peak over the last four seasons. Gore is also a two-hour drive north compared to Jiminy, so my attitude is looking at the higher latitude. <laughs> my pick, number five seed, Gore, New York, upsets Jiminy Peak. What's your pick? Our other side of the bracket, number two seed Sugarloaf taking on the number 10 seed Stowe. How do their opening dates compare? Sugarloaf leads the series three wins to one loss versus Stowe over the last four seasons. Further, Sugarloaf has opened first the last three years straight. While it would be easy to think Stowe pushing up their opening date earlier compared to last year, is a money grab to snag another weekend of paid parking receipts. 
don't fall into the trap. They will use the money to improve public transit on the access road, damn it. Of course, that has nothing to do with this matchup, one in which Sugarloaf surely advances. My pick, the safe one, number two seed, Sugarloaf advances. What's your pick? And the last matchup in this round, number 14 seed, Bretton Woods taking on number 11 seed, Okimo. How do their opening dates compare? Bretton Woods leads the series. One win, no losses, three ties versus Okimo. Yep, they opened on the same date three of the last four seasons. And just like Gore and Jiminy's matchup, Bretton Woods is located a two-hour drive north of Okimo. So staying with the latitude, a Cinderella story may be brewing. Number 14 seed, Bretton Woods, my pick, the big upset. What's your pick? Round three, the final four. Number one seed, Sunday River, hanging tough. Number five seed, Gore, hanging in there. How did their opening dates compare? Sugarloaf leads the series with three wins and one loss versus Gore over the last four years. Interestingly, Gore announced 300 plus new HKD snow guns being installed on Burnt Ridge, Uncas, Showcase, and Chattamac trails though none of those trails are near each other, so it sounds like the machines are spread way too thin to push for an early opening in one area of the mountain. Therefore, my pick, number one seed, Sunday River, advances to the championship matchup. What's your pick? And on the other side of the bracket, number two seed, Sugarloaf, against number 14 seed, Bretton Woods, the Cinderella story. How do their opening dates compare? Sugarloaf leads the series, but not by as much as you may think. They lead two wins, one loss, and one tie versus Bretton Woods. Only five days separate them over four years. Since I'll be skiing Bretton Woods in mid-December, I'm paying it forward, spreading the good vibes, and going with an enormously flawed upset pick. My pick, number 14 seed, Bretton Woods, Cinderella Story, let's go. What's your pick? On to round four, the championship, the place to face Killington. Number one seed, Sunday River, versus number 14 seed, Bretton Woods. How do their opening dates compare? Sunday River leads the series, four wins, no losses, no ties. <laughs> Guaranteed win, right? Hold up. First, let's pay some respect to Sunday River, number two to open most years in the Northeast. Recent headline, Main ski area fires up the snow guns on the last day of September. The resort indeed fired up six HKD high efficiency snow guns on Lock Mountain on the T2 trail when temperatures were in the low 30s. That test gave Sunday River's snowmakers the go ahead to crank the system at full capacity once there are sustained freezing temperatures overnight at higher elevations on the mountain. The resort typically opens between late October and early November, but has yet to set an opening date. And on the other side of the bracket, number 14 seed Brenton Woods also deserves some respect. I'll give you four reasons why. Number one, Ski Magazine grooming rankings. Brenton Woods, number one in their rankings. Second reason, Ski Magazine's Best Resorts East Reader Poll, Brenton Woods, literally number two in the rankings. Third reason, 
snowmaking on 92% of the terrain at Bretton Woods. And finally, $500,000 in upgrades at Bretton Woods to improve grooming and snowmaking capabilities with a new Piston Bully 400 and new high-efficiency snowmaking tower guns. Wait a minute. Tower, as in Andes Tower Hills, Minnesota? The second ski area to open in the Midwest and overall silver medalist nationally? Coincidence? Probably, but I'm going to go with it. My pick, number 14 seed Brenton Woods upsets number one Sunday River in the race to place to face Killington. A Cinderella story. Maybe. What's your pick? I'm super stoked to see how this all shakes out. And again, thank you for listening, and a special thank you to those playing along. And let me know how your bracket turns out. Looks like it's 4 o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Email me at powderhoundskitrivia at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at powderhoundskis. Better yet, subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds. Champion. Oh, yeah. I'm a champion.